welcome. It's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richie. Good to be with you. We have a lot on the agenda today. Breaking down news of the day. Jackson White, and he's co-founder, editor in chief of Politoscope, TYT Rebel HQ contributor. Always a great breakdown. First story of the day. A black male Wall Street journalist gets arrested for interviewing or reporting. He's actually doing the background for his story. He gets locked up at the bank right outside of it. Here's a video. He, I heard him say he was gonna leave, this is ridiculous. He's a reporter and I heard him say he was gonna leave. He's also doing literally nothing, like nothing wrong. No, he said he was gonna leave, you did not need to cuff him. You absolutely did not need to cuff him. Hey, what's your name so I can send this to you? Dion Ramon, okay. Can I find you? Okay, this is ridiculous. This is the most obscene thing I think I've ever seen. Dion Raborn was locked up for doing absolutely nothing illegal. Here's the second video. As I said to you, I'm fine where I am. I'm not doing anything wrong. You know, Mike. What did you just see? You just saw an individual exercising his freedom of speech. You literally have that codified in the US Constitution. He told the officer, was a journalist conducting background for his story. That's routine. It's called man on the street type stuff. Well, the bank, they got suspicious. And the officers, well, they decided to go ahead and arrest him, even though he identified himself. It was credible what he said, they didn't care. Big ups to the ally who decided to not only record, but voice an advocacy for this journalist. Let's put his picture up full mask. All right, there he is. Dion Raboin, a Wall Street Journal reporter, was arrested while conducting interviews outside of Chase Bank in Phoenix, Arizona. A reporter for the Wall Street Journal is in a position he is not accustomed to. He is now the subject of a controversial headline after a video of a confrontation with a cop from the Phoenix Police Department started to circulate online. Normally, he is writing the news, not making it. The outlet is speaking out on behalf of its employee, big ups to them for doing so, demanding that the police department not only review the incident, but create a system or policy to ensure journalist rights are protected after the incident on Wednesday, November 23rd, 2022. That's when it happened with him and one of the department's officers. You know, it's interesting, it's very interesting when something like this happens, there's silence obviously from the right. Conservatives will say nothing about what you just saw. Even though they claim they are all about freedom of speech. They are all about protecting their freedom of speech. 
But literally, when the government actually does violate the US Constitution by abridging, limiting, or punishing you for this freedom of speech, freedom of press, freedom of assembly, etc., they say nothing. Absolutely nothing. So let me get this right. If you say the N word on social media, and, and somebody says, that's bad and you need to go. That is a violation of your speech according to Republicans. But if you are conducting background for an upcoming interview, and you've done nothing illegal, you get arrested. Well, that's acceptable. Let me give you the background to the story. The reporter who covers markets for the Wall Street Journal told local station ABC 15. He was conducting background research. This is common on the sidewalk outside a local Chase Bank branch. This was around 2.40 PM, asking various customers about financial services. The reporter says he was unaware the sidewalk he was standing on was private property. Now let me say this about the legality of that part. He's on the sidewalk, he thinks it is fair play. He can be asked to leave. Um, There was no malicious intent. No malicious intent means there's a trespass, but there's no criminal trespass. Criminal trespass requires intent to trespass. He had no intent to trespass, okay? Number one. Number two, uh, it is understandable why he would post outside of a bank if the story is about financial services of that bank. And number three, this makes me question what was he going to report on? That had the bank so afraid. There's more. Uh, Things really escalated quickly, he said. The police say the Chase workers reached out to them because customers were complaining that a man was approaching people as they entered the bank, asking them personal questions. The interaction between the officer and the man who was the subject of the complaint took place on private property, all right? So um, is that illegal? Is it illegal for somebody to ask you a question in the United States of America? No, remember when you call a cop, you are calling a gun. You're saying in order to handle this situation right here, a black man asking me a question, somebody needs to show up with a gun right now. How insane is that? But that is the reality of what they've done. There's more, two bank employees. Came outside and asked him, what was he doing? And he explained he was conducting man on the street style interviews with people regarding their savings accounts. Without incident or asking them to leave, the bankers went back inside. They never said leave. According to the reporter, similar to the bank employees, the officer asked him, hey, what are you doing? He said, identify myself, I said, I am Dion Rabowin, I'm a reporter for the Wall Street Journal. I'm working on a story. I told the people in the branch that was going on, what was going on. And he said, well, you can't do that. So the officer that you saw in that video, we've identified him. His name is Caleb Zimmerman, not making this up. Caleb Zimmerman is his name, was the responding officer and contradicted the account of the reporter. In his official report, I'm talking about the cop. He said, 
The journalist refused to leave the property and originally refused to identify himself. Now let me highlight why the cop lied in the report. Those two things, he refused to leave. Well, now that makes a criminal trespass, okay? It's not negligent anymore, it's criminal. So he's building a case, a criminal case against him in order to justify the interaction. Then he says, well, he did not identify himself. Once again, another dynamic to bolster the cop's claim. But according to the witness and the journalist, none of that is true. There's more. All right, ABC 15 was first to report that journal editor in chief, Matt Murray, sent a letter to the Phoenix police chief, Michael Sullivan, stating she was appalled by the incident she saw. I am appalled and concerned that officers at your department would attempt to interfere with Mr. Rabowin's constitutional right to engage in journalism and purport to limit anyone's presence in a public location, Murray wrote. The Phoenix Police Department received a letter from the editor in chief of the Wall Street Journal expressing concerns about an interaction with one of our professional standard bureau for, uh, excuse me, with one of their reporters and a Phoenix police officer. This letter was shared with our professional standard bureau for review and they're conducting an administrative investigation. A representative said in a statement, so in a statement, a Wall Street Journal representative said this. Raboyan was detained, handcuffed, and placed in the back of a police vehicle while reporting. No journalist should ever be detained simply for exercising their First Amendment rights. Let me provide some more context. This is a reporter, he's not an activist. He's not trying to create some kind of point, he's just doing his job. He identified himself every time it was requested. So why are we here? We're here because he did not look as if he deserved rights according to the officer. Because if he was afforded the same rights that the officer swore to uphold, to protect, none of this would have went down. So you have this devaluing of human life where you're willing to turn a man's world upside down for doing nothing illegal at all. We will continue to follow. Jackson, thoughts here. So I think stories like this really highlight how in, in you know situations where people may call the police, the outcome is simply how the officer or officers felt like handling the situation. Because you know, with any type of real in-depth questioning or just you know a quick glance at the situation, they could have seen like, okay, he's a reporter, who's he a reporter for? And as you pointed out, you know, he's not an activist, and not only that, um, it's not like he's a reporter for Vox or the Huffington Post or TYT to where <laughs> you know that would set people's hair on fire if they are you know to the right. He's a reporter for the Wall Street Journal, which is a very you know old, prestigious, and pretty conservative, not like far right or anything, but just to have you know kind of right wing economic takes and in, in, in shades on their stories. So the bottom line is that you know he was just a guy who looked like he could damage the property value, and more importantly, the property's prestige, because you know they just took him to the car, 
probably, you know, if he would have just asked a few questions, it wouldn't have mattered. And to think too, you know, how many times have, you know, people in this audience perhaps ran into a cop that was cool and they let you off? You know what I'm saying? Like maybe he was younger, maybe he was like, man, I don't really care about this. Just, just go. Or they're like, you know what I'm saying? So again, that's an, ex- even though you maybe were doing something wrong, and I bring that up just to say, police can do that. That's right. But often they just don't do it because they feel like screwing with people. And that's, it's as simple as that. Great context. Thirteen-year-old child shot dead because, according to the killer, he was, you know, going through cars. Let me do this. Let me put up the picture of the young victim here in Northeast D.C. An unidentified homeowner. And I will get back to that unidentified part in a minute. An unidentified homeowner confronted and shot the 13 year old child after claiming the child was breaking into vehicles along the street. According to the report, he was shot multiple times. The 13 year old was identified by police as Karen Blake. Of Northeast DC, police confirmed that Blake was a student at Brooklyn Middle School. Investigators said when officers arrived at the scene, they found the homeowner performing CPR. Well, well, isn't that big of him? CPR. There was no indication that Blake was armed. Blake was taken to an area hospital after the shooting and later pronounced dead. The Metropolitan Police Department said the shooting happened around 3.56 AM on the 1000 block of Quincy Street, not far from the middle school. Brooklyn Middle School issued a statement obtained by Fox 5 DC News. Grieving the loss of our beloved scholar, it says. It talks about how the child began his educational journey at Noes ES last year. He was promoted to BMS as a sixth grade scholar. It was quite inquisitive. He loved fashion and football, although he loved his neighborhood. He loved Brooklyn Middle School, the faculty and his peers. And the structure it presented to him even more. He leaves behind his mom and three younger siblings. That statement should never be made about a 13 year old child. He leaves behind his mom, 13 years old. Shot and killed. Let me give you background on the current investigation. While investigating the incident, police found a car on Quincy Street that had been previously reported stolen and is believed to have been used by the 13 year old. Investigators believe two other juveniles were also involved in the incident, according to a neighbor in the area. And two tried fleeing the scene in a vehicle before bailing out. Alley and running away on foot. 13 years old. Let me ask you this question. What is more valuable? The life of a 13 year old child or something inside of a vehicle? What is the better approach? There's no indication 
that the 13 year old was armed. Why would you shoot and kill a child? Even if the child was engaged in conduct unbecoming, take it as an opportunity to be a mentor, to provide some direction, anything but pulling out a gun and killing them. Investigators said the firearm used in the shooting was legally registered, as if that makes a damn difference. And the homeowner is cooperating with authorities, as if that makes a damn difference. Authorities are still working to determine whether any criminal charges are warranted against the homeowner. You see, this is the part where I realize who's an ally and who's not, who's woke and who decides to remain asleep. Everyone should be outraged by the fact that a 13 year old is dead with multiple gunshots by an adult. He wasn't armed, he wasn't trying to kill anyone, that's on the record. But then above the outrage, they're trying to figure out, well, we don't know yet if he did anything criminal. Okay, well, let's count the ways here. Uh, 13 years old, okay, no gun, no indication that he was trying to uh, kill the individual who utilized deadly force. Even the police, they have a protocol. You cannot use deadly force unless it is absolutely necessary to do one of two things, to save your own life or to save the life of somebody else. Now, which one was it for the homeowner who has been unidentified? Which is it? Were you saving your life? Did you think he was going to kill somebody in the community? Because according to the protocol of even the police, that's a no-no. And they're trying to figure out if this was criminal at all. Once again, the value or the lack thereof that they place on this 13 year old black child. But I guarantee you this, we will stay on top of it. And that is why opportunities to engage on platforms, media, direct engagement is important. Because for those who are not in that local community, this may be your first time hearing about the story. 13 year old child, shot dead, homeowner not arrested. Child wasn't trying to harm the homeowner. Let me put it another way, cuz I know I get pushback for this. Uh, let's say it was a 13 year old white girl who was out, was drinking, should not have been and acted in a way that was juvenile and immature. And she gets shot and killed in a community by a man. Do you think the scenario is the same? Do you think authorities are going to try to figure out if a crime took place? Do you think they're going to put in their official report? But the homeowner is cooperative. It was a legally registered gun. None of that has anything to do with the crime that took place here. All right, in my opinion. Jackson, thoughts here. So, you know, the sad reality of this story and many others just like it is a lot of people are just itching and waiting for an opportunity to use their firearms. Um, you know, because uh, the police could have been called if you really were that worried about your car. And two as well, a lot of people are itching to use their firearms because they don't think about the consequences of possibly killing someone who may not have a gun and may, you know, they don't think about these types of legal things. 
they just are itching to shoot somebody. You know, it's not like anybody was breaking into his home and anything along those lines. But, you know, all they're doing is trying to frame it in such a way so that it's just a homeowner protecting his property. Nothing else. You already pointed out that if it was a different person who was shot, if it was a 13 year old white girl, 13 year old white boy, it'll be looked at differently. It'll be looked at, oh, he was youth. He was caught up in X, Y, Z. And the sad thing is, is that let's say the narrative does happen to switch and, you know, the homeowner uh, got prosecuted. That would cause outrage on the right. You know, he's a homeowner, gun owning homeowner, protecting his property. You know, that kid shouldn't have been doing what he did anyway. So um, that's just a result of, of our gun culture. That's really more extreme than anywhere else on the planet uh, in terms of civilized and, and well-developed nations. Yeah, we're going to continue to follow this story. Uh, at some point, they will have to make a decision, yay or nay, on the charges. We are calling for charges and for them quickly. Brazil decided to take a play from the Donald Trump handbook. And Steve Bannon is proud of this because Bannon does what? He promotes terrorism. Here's a video. Muita gente, muita gente lá fora, pessoal. A polícia não conseguiu conter o povo. Não conseguiu conter o povo. Quebraram as janelas, quebraram tudo, entraram dentro da casa. Ai, mãe, bora, 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 bora. Polícia atropelando o povo. Olha isso, gente. Polícia atropelando o povo. Olha só, gente! Passando por cima? Não, não, pelo amor de Deus! Não, não! Não! Bola de verdade, filho! Bola de verdade no patriota! Olha aqui, gente! Olha aqui, gente! Bola de verdade, Caralho! Olha aqui a situação, gente! Olha aqui! Let's put up Bannon's response to this, and I will give you some background. So Steve Bannon said, Brazilian freedom fighters, let's keep that up. Sunday, Bolsonaro, his supporters stormed Brazil's capital in an event that was basically a mirror reflection of the terrorist attack that took place on January 6th in this nation. So Steve Bannon, he sees this, understand the context here. The person who lost, well, he's a far right conservative. As a matter of fact, he's a big fan of Donald Trump and Donald Trump is a big fan of his. He lost. So Bannon sees this similar thing they did and say, well, these are freedom fighters. No, sir, Mr. Bannon, Dr. King was a freedom fighter. Thousands of former far right President Bolsonaro's radical supporters stormed and vandalized the country's National Congress, Supreme Federal Court and presidential office. Before security forces regained control, a flag was placed in front of the National Congress Reading intervention. 
It's a reference to calls for the military to depose of the current actual elected president who defeated the far right conservative. Once again, these elements are not similar. This is exactly the same. The incidents which recalled January 6th came amid disinformation about the election, aimed mostly at Lula. Lula accused the mob of taking advantage of the quiet Sunday as his administration was moving into government. So the president gets elected, there's a transition process, and all of a sudden, these individuals would like to overthrow their known form of government because their guy lost. Okay, exact same as Trump. You see, when you submit things in the universe, sometimes other people pick it up. So here we are, let's put up the picture of the current actual president who was elected by the people. You see, you're not really disenfranchising him, he's one person. Yes, he is the duly elected president, but to overturn the results that created his current matrix of power, that means you have invalidated the voters that put him there. So that's who you are truly against. So those who attacked Congress, he said they were fascist and took aim at him and his movement. Today while touring the destruction, the current and elected president promised to bring the rioters to justice. Throughout his campaign, Bolsonaro, who did not immediately concede the race, once again, another dynamic from the Trump playbook, so sees a doubt about election security. He told his supporters misinformation. He repeatedly asserted that Brazil's electronic voting machines were prone to be fraud with no evidence to support his unfounded claims. It is not a stretch to simply say, if Donald Trump didn't do what he did, you may not see this happening right now in Brazil. Why? Because one man created this in Brazil, one man, not original at all, adopted word for word, line for line, the exact criminal expressions of the former president of the United States. Without that idea, without that thought being placed into his mind, he's not this creative by himself. He doesn't say these things without Donald Trump saying them first. It's a cause and effect relationship. Literally the leadership of one individual in this country has impacted the leadership of one individual in another. Those individuals, both of them, they have significant followings. That means it permeates to the entire culture and transforms reality as you know it. Things are now choppy in Brazil, just like it was here. There's more. Let's put a picture. Meanwhile, Bolsonaro has reportedly been in Florida. There you go, he's in Florida. And was admitted to a hospital today in Orlando with abdominal pain. Five days prior, where was he? He was shopping at a Publix. 
You don't believe me? Let's go to the video. I thought you were trying to get back in office. Wait, you're not with your followers? You're not, that's right, you're following the Donald Trump. That's okay, so you're not. Let's put up the governor's picture, Rocha, the governor of Brazil. Capital District said well, more than 400 rioters have now been arrested. As authorities continue to restore order following that event. But guess what, you see that guy right there? You know what he called it? An act of terrorism. There you go, there you go. Our president, current, well, he taps, tap dances around that. All of them do, almost every single one of them. But I guarantee you, if those who attacked the capital in America would have been black or last names, would have been Muhammad, they would have definitely been called terrorists. Well, they would have been called dead terrorists. Here's CNN Brazil's coverage of rioters marching in handcuffs. Here it is. Nas lamentáveis que a gente está vendo, muito se procurou onde estaria Anderson Torres. Viemos aqui, trouxemos a informação em primeira mão de que ele seria usando, de que sabia dessa possibilidade. O próprio governador Ibanez não impediu a viagem do então secretário de Segurança Pública Anderson Torres e não teve uma convocação extraordinária de policiais. Now there's a lot here. We don't really know who's involved in what regime. There's allegations that even the governor decided to basically not do his job, all right? So at some point we will have more information, but right now, yeah, this is the exact same thing that happened in America. Dear brother, thoughts here. You know, I think one of the biggest ironies of all of this is that it just made Lula an even bigger legend. It did, yeah. You know, like just the the plot to overthrow him, him going to prison, making it through all of that. All it did was strengthen his image and his mission, and strengthen you know the left worldwide because he showed strength, he showed perseverance, he showed that you know whatever your cause that you're fighting for, whatever it is that you're living for is bigger than you know whatever suffrage you have to go through at any given moment. I mean, that's all this did. And now to just see Bolsonaro just kind of casually strolling around in a Publix with his beer belly hanging over his his jeans. And, and you know, him being like this cheap loser moron knockoff of Donald Trump, like, one, you know, whether it's there or here, y'all can't just wait for the next election, you know, because you're a bunch of babies. And then two, what did Bolsonaro stand for? Absolutely nothing. He's a completely ridiculous clown who has some of the dumbest quotes anybody could ever read. And he, you know, somehow stumbled and fell his way into office. And now he's out just like he should be. Once again, just like Donald Trump. All right, we got more. On the other side, it's indisputable, stick and stay.
All right, welcome back. We still have a lot of show left. Let me read some of these comments, kind of press for time. I will read as many as I can. Next TYT reporter says, if they arrested him for trespassing, it won't fly in court. He was never asked to leave, that's right. He was never told he was on private property, correct. Those are required for a trespass conviction. Yes, sir, it is. You have to engage in criminal conduct, which means intent. If he had no intent to trespass, there's no criminal conduct. But that's why the officer said, I told him to leave and he refused. Why? Because that, if that's true, you have now laid the groundwork for a prosecution. That's what the officer did. He lied on that report, that's a criminal violation. Do you think the cop is going to be arrested? No. Mickey C the Silverhead Dragon says, did the shooter tell him to stop talking about 13 year old? Question mark. Did he call the police? Question mark. Shooting an unarmed child because he thought he might be stealing something in a car. Does that merit the death sentence? I'm holding my breath waiting to hear charges or if charges are brought for this cold blooded murderer. And let me say this, for them to even contemplate to charge and not to charge. That means they simply believe the man with the gun and the story. There's no video, at least not that we are aware of. And how does this happen? Take him to jail, let him post bond, it's an investigative process. He can submit his own defense, but when did the police become your defense attorney? All right, let's do one more. Locks dim fire, I like that, thank you so much for that. To that guy, the child's life was worth less than a used car. He was killed over. Uh, Kevin C, thank you so much, Kevin C. H and L, thanks for bringing these stories to the front, Dr. Richie. Many of these stories affecting black citizens get buried or ignored completely. Uh, that's true. Uh, not here though, and thank you for supporting. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I wish you Karen Wood. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? You're gonna feel free. Oh my god, you must be so proud. Oh, you're working on a door. Right, come on, Jill, let's go. Yeah, you black man. Thanks, lads. Black. That video is That's why you get a name. Yeah. Yeah, black. See you later. You know, UK Karen's are always kind of weird. So obviously this was meant to be racist, um, black, black man. That's why you have the name black, it's insane. Uh, now some people say, well, what's racist about that? She didn't say anything racist, she just called him black. Well, it's called sentiment, all right? Words are words. Sentiment is the heart. It was submitted in the sentiment of racism. Real simple. All right. There's nothing wrong with being black. It's, you know, how we were born. But for some reason, she thinks that being black, being who you are naturally, if you happen to be black naturally, then that's a problem. You were born that way. All right, uh, let's put a picture of full mass, really interesting. 
don't have details about this, thought it was extreme and extreme in the UK version. Jackson, thoughts here. Yeah, she seems like a woman who's like absolutely terrible, but like her only saving grace and redeeming quality is she doesn't curse. That's why she didn't <laughs> like say that. That yeah, like that's why she didn't say the n word or, or or anything else like that because she was like you, you black man. You know what I'm saying? Like she'd be mad at some woman somewhere. Like you, you ignorant woman. Like she just can't do it. And then she goes to church like you know on Easter, so she can taunt that you know in her little Easter dress or whatever. But uh. Yeah, that that was uh, she didn't get her way. So I guess, um, you know, uh, power to equality because she had to go home. <laughs> yeah, let's put the picture up again for mass uh, because if she's out here caring in, in this fashion, this is not the first time Karenicity does run deep in this one. If you know this Karen, I highly encourage you to do an intervention, talk to her, all right? There has to be somebody that loves her. A cop responds to a domestic call, ends up having some kind of relationship, allegedly, with the woman later. The man in the home finds out, calls the cop, cop meets him, off duty cop kills him. Let's put up the picture, full mass. A North Carolina police officer killed a man while off duty during an argument over a woman. You have Kwaku Agipan, a Ron Lowe police officer, shot and killed a 33 year old male, Juan Avalo. This was during an altercation over the slain man's partner. He had been with the department for less than six months at the time of the shooting. Let me give you background, a significant background to this. The warrant said that um, Ajipan met Avalo and the woman when he was called to their home in November. Keep the timeline here. He was called in November, 911, he's the guy responding. It was a domestic disturbance. Reports show that Avalo traveled to New York after the disturbance and that authorities were unable to serve him with an arrest warrant during that time. However, the Gaston County Sheriff's Office records show Avalo was booked in jail on December 7th and charged with assault by strangulation, assault on a female, assault with a deadly weapon, larceny, and assault with a deadly weapon with a minor present. However, the 34 year old stayed in touch with the woman after he was called to the house. That's a no no. And Avalo found out about it, found his number in the woman's phone, found the number on New Year's Eve. He contacted the cop who suggested the two men meet at a gas station for mutual combat. It's called a fight. So Ajipan showed up at Avalo's home in short time later with the service weapon. And the two men were wounded in the altercation. Avalo suffered a gunshot wound to the head and was pronounced dead. New Year's Day, 520 AM, New Year's Day. 
the incident happened November. He found the information New Year's Eve. He's dead New Year's Day. Um, the cop was briefly hospitalized with a stab wound to his neck. The town manager, his name is Jonathan Blanton. So Mr. Blanton also said the Gaston County District Attorney's Office and the State Bureau of Investigation decided reasonably early in the investigation to charge the cop with first degree murder rather than classify the crime as self-defense. Huh. He's being held without bond in a Cleveland County Jail. So let me get this right. So today I've reported on a 13 year old black child with no gun, no threat to anybody being killed. And the cops are like, mm, you know, the homeowner is being really cooperative with us, okay? No arrest. And then you have this situation, okay? There's no uh, courtesy here. Yeah, we, they knew right away, yeah, there was a murder. And it's true, was. This officer violated virtually every protocol of engagement and then decided to commit significant and severe criminal action. Clear cut, nobody's questioning if he should be arrested or not. But my point is, why is it so different? When a 13 year old is shot and killed, there's ambiguity. This doesn't add up. All right, insane, but once again, I submit to you what Ithaca New York did. And we had the mayor, the former mayor of Ithaca New York on the show. They decided to launch exhaustive psychological exams for anybody who wanted to be a cop. And what did the mayor say? 75% of the cops that passed their basic training failed their exhaustive psychological exam. But for the 25% who passed it, not one, not one of them, not one violated the rights of a citizen. The man said it right here on the show, not one. But you have people like this walking around every day. All right, Jackson thoughts here. I think that uh, statistic that you just gave in terms of uh, you know making sure the police officers, because they are human beings, first and foremost, there's a problem with the hiring process. But making sure that the people that you arm with guns and the authority to basically kill people and get away with it, that they're you know mentally stable. Because clearly this guy, if he was you know probed in any type of real way, you, there would be no way that you couldn't see that he shouldn't be in this position, especially after just six months being there. Because what he did is not like pragmatic behavior, especially for an adult who has some type of foundation to maintain. You know, So like you pointed out, everything unethical across the board, him getting involved with the woman in the first place, but then just being a just being stupid in general, not even just thinking with this wrong head. This is an, a, a situation of outrageous insecurity, and you know, ultimately, a man who should not have had that job. You know, when you give someone significant public trust, like a cop, but you're against yearly psychological evaluations, you're against lie detector tests. Keep in mind, uh, there are a lot of professions where bad people can do bad things. But a gun is final. You may be able to come back from, let's say, a negligent psychiatrist. You may, you can bounce back, it's possible. When you're dead, you cannot. Significant public trust requires 
a significant level of accountability. And that's what you're missing. And that's the disconnect you see. We got more on the other side is indisputable. Seek and stay. All right, welcome back. We have a lot of show left. Let me read some of these comments. We got a lot of them. Natural born Keeler. Thank you for that. Doctor, I love your engagement. Greetings from Germany. Thank you so much. We appreciate you. Thanks for the support. David Moore says, I go out on a limb and say, she doesn't think black is beautiful. There you go. Meredith Ralina Dragon Putvin. Welcome to Indisputable, thank you so much. Uh, Gabby Mathis, member for seven months, thank you for that. Don't trust any cop, especially in Phoenix, keep it up doc. Thank you for that advice, okay. And snack underscore Panther, member for four months. Uh, Lula is the man of the people that has to stand against this cult. I hope Brazil does what the US did not do. That means hold them accountable, truly accountable, and I concur. All right, one of the most horrific stories of this year, okay? An autistic child, teachers, paraprofessionals, and abuse. Those teachers have been charged with felony abuse. Let me do it this way, let's put up of some of the pictures that we currently have of the individuals who are alleged to have committed this insane and extreme criminal conduct. This took place in Odo County, Nebraska, a high school teacher and two aides have been charged with child abuse. Nebraska City High School, you got 50 year old Melissa Valenta, a 28 year old teaching veteran. We do not have her picture. But she faces charges of felony child abuse, no injury after she and two other paraprofessionals. Emily Kent on the left, 40 years of age, and Deborah Stead on the right, 56 years of age, were allegedly caught on audio and video bullying an autistic child in the fall, right? Uh, Valenta had been uh, Tristan Egris special education teacher since the sixth grade. His mother, Jennifer said, the now 17 year old is profoundly disabled, suffers from a heart condition and has an expected lifespan into his early 20s. He has the intellect of a five year old, which is why he was enrolled in the life skills class. Egri said she had a feeling, something was not right. And that feeling was bolstered by comments that former Paris, as the teacher's aides are called, made about Valenta, the longtime special education life skills teacher. She said one former pair told her years ago that she was lucky that Tristan was one of Valenta's favorites because Valenta didn't treat other kids well. According to his mother, in September, Tristan expressed not wanting to go to school because his teachers were being mean. So she decided to send him to school with the recording device in his pocket. On one day, Valenta allegedly grabbed Tristan by the arm and pushed him in the bleachers. 
You know what? It says, uh, Valenta said, you're not gonna act like a jackass every day. Do you understand me? That's a teacher with special education training insight and allegedly or supposedly compassion talking to an autistic child in that way. Start walking right now. This is PE and if you're not going to play the game, then you are going to walk. The officer wrote that she could hear Valenta repeatedly saying go and Tristan repeatedly saying "Oh, ow, ow, go, Valenta said. Move and I won't have to do that. Tristan could be heard saying no, let me go. So that's torture, okay? So every day, this child was subjected to that kind of abuse. He got to a point, the child got to a point where it was time to say something. It was, it was time to express something's wrong. The person who is in the trusted position is a complete monster. Jennifer said Valenta, Ferguson Kitts did, and a third pair were all hazing him over his puppy. This is so insane. Valenta and the special education PE teacher, Chad Ferguson, started teasing Tristan about a puppy he had long coveted and had received on his 16th birthday. They said they could send a video to his mom so she would take his puppy back. Ferguson kept talking about the puppy and what he would do with it. It's not yours, it's mine, Tristan said upset, please stop it. So what do you have? You have physical torture and you literally have psychological torture by adults who are trained and educated and affixed into a position of public trust. They're doing this to an autistic child. The dodgeball incident, oh, we're gonna tell it all here. Valenta asked, stid to bring me a couple of dodgeballs. A ball could be heard hitting who? Tristan, he said, ow. Egri said Ferguson could be heard saying, whoa, that was a bad throw. Tristan again got hit with the ball, ow. He could be heard saying, Valenta tipped a chair that Tristan was sitting in, causing him to fall. While he was on the floor, Valenta stepped on his index finger, causing a bruise and a scrape. Get up, Valenta said. I'm sorry, I didn't see your finger there. Even more abuse occurred. Let's put up the pictures of the um, of the teachers again, the Paris. Let me tell you what these sick SOBs did. They doused 
the child with mop, a mop and water. Dozens of times, numerous occasions allowed him to remain in soiled pants. Here's what one investigator had to say. Fertig concluded her investigation by saying that she thinks Melissa Valenta knowingly and intentionally caused Tristan, a minor child in her life skills classroom to be placed in a situation that endangered his physical and mental health. Jennifer is calling on school officials to allow special education parents to make unannounced visits to observe the class and cameras being stalled to monitor their treatment. This is where we are now. You see, this is a real problem inside of an actual school. Are the conservatives going to, let's say, protest at school board meeting? No. Are they going to get outraged that checks and balances were not working and children are being abused? No. Because they really didn't care about the children in their initial protest. They simply utilized the children as pawns in their game. But when real children are actually being abused by adults and by the system and there's no accountability, they are silent. All right, Egri said this behavior smacked of a sort of diabolical hazing. It's sick, these kids can't advocate for themselves or fight back, she said. They're the most vulnerable kids at the school. It's a helpless feeling. I trusted all of these people to care for my child, but it's not about my feelings, she said, it's about his. He needs to be able to feel safe at a school. The mother of the child questions why a fourth woman, the third para, the wife of a school official has not been charged. The mom also has filed a complaint against the teaching certificate of a physical education teacher who also was not criminally charged. Let's put up. These two alleged leaders, I'm calling them alleged leaders for a reason. According to the World Herald, neither Nebraska City Superintendent Mark Fitch on the left, nor high school principal Brown Hoover on the right, have said a damn thing. They haven't even returned calls, made comments, etc. All right, well, I will tell you this. We're staying on top of this story as it develops. I believe the mother. I believe other people should have been charged. And I think there is still an ongoing cover up to mitigate some of those who are actually criminally liable. But no time ever should something like this happen without penalty, significant penalty. That's a position of public trust and they tortured people. Jackson, thoughts here. Um. You know, it's always um, the people in society who get overlooked or who maybe aren't taken seriously that receive the most torture, really, that receive the most kind of sadism. You see this uh, also in nursing homes. Um, You see this, um, you know, victims, prostitution victims, homeless victims, where the sickest things in society happen to people because people aren't necessarily looking for them society doesn't care about them or in this situation you know these are special needs children who can't necessarily communicate 
what's happening to them or understand everything that's happening to them. She knew exactly what she was doing. She fig- she found out that she could get away with this, and so she got deeper and deeper into it, more and more comfortable with it. And the school system itself, um, you know, that there were whispers that she really isn't nice to the kids. They never look deep enough into it, and they're protecting their own name by not really being all over this as much as they should. But again, it, it, it's, it really sheds light on one, everybody is a human being. Everybody feels everything that you feel, yeah. and also the people that you overlook that you walk past on the sidewalks, they go through the worst and they're targeted by the most sadistic and evil people that uh, humanity has to offer. But this is a disgusting story. Horrible. And I don't think the administrators wanted to dig deeper, all right? Okay, horrific story, a Virginia teacher shot by a six year old student. She was trying to confiscate the gun and was shot. Put a picture up for a mass. Now after this story, if you still believe we have no issues with gun culture in America. Abby Zwerner, 25 years of age, was as the authorities are saying, Intentionally shot, I'm going to go back to that in a moment, okay? Intentionally shot at about 2 p.m. Friday at Rich Neck Elementary School in Newport, Virginia. Newport News, Virginia, by one of her students. The student was six years of age. The police said there was an argument, but it was unclear as to what sparked it. According to Brittany Gregory, whose son was witness to the incident. The students were gathered in a small reading group when one classmate pulled a handgun from his backpack and pointed it at the teacher. Now remember, what's the context six years old, six years of age. She was going to confiscate it and that's when he shot, she said. uh, the children raced to another teacher's classroom area where they stayed in lockdown. Gregory's son thought Zwerner was shot in the hand or the arm. Authorities originally described her wounds as life threatening, but said she has improved and was in serious but stable condition. We are glad to hear that. According to police radio traffic archived by the website Broadcastify, Responder said a woman at the school had been shot in the abdomen and through the hand. After the shooting, the six year old was placed into police custody, according to authorities. City officials declined to say where the child is now and whether he will be charged with a crime. It is unclear as to how he got the handgun. I got a whole lot more to this story, um, but let me just pause on this point. The six year old gets arrested for shooting the teacher, okay? Um, Is there a law that says you can't arrest a six year old? No, Uh, but it's basically impossible to prosecute a six year old. And the police are saying, well, it was done intentionally. That's something that they have added uh, to the narrative uh, intentionally. Let's analyze that for a minute. The kid is six years old. You know, it's a different mental context. That's why 
all of the nuance is important. You see, the six year old may believe that a gun works the same way it works on the video game he plays. Or perhaps the cartoons or the animation he watches. Everybody comes back to life. There's nothing final about a gunshot or there's nothing final about this device I have. He doesn't understand finality, that's the point. He's only been on the earth for six years. So when you say things like intentionally, many people will interpret that to mean malicious or criminal malice or mans rea, meaning the formation of I want to commit a crime. None of that was here. Those things are required. All right, a photo of Gregory's son. Gregory described the teacher as her son's favorite, bubbly and outgoing. Occasionally, the teacher would have notes in her son's backpack. I hope you had a great day, once said. I want you to know your smile is contagious. She sounds like an amazing teacher. Gregory described her son as still in shock. Since the shooting, he's had nightmares. He normally sleeps in his own room. But the night of the shooting came to my room, Gregory added. He was talking in his sleep, saying we gotta get out of here. Let's go to Andrew Block, University of Virginia Law School professor. This is true, what he's saying, okay? He's the former director of the Virginia Department of Juvenile Justice. And he said, listen, there's not a minimum age for being charged with a crime, not in the state of Virginia. But he also said it is unlikely that you can prosecute a six year old. And basically for what I just submitted to you, as a practical matter, he said, it would be next to impossible to prosecute a six year old, no matter how serious, said Block. He explained that in something called infancy defense, people younger than seven do not have the ability or mental state to form the what intent to commit a crime, it's called mantra. He said a more likely and productive path or more likely and productive path for authorities to file a what's called a child in need of services claim, which could unlock support and interventions at that point. So here's where it's at, okay? You got insane, insane gun laws. You have a ridiculous system that governs this insanity. And you now have a six year old bringing a gun, but you don't think there's a problem with gun culture. This, that's interesting to me. You know, a lot of people think there's a problem with rap culture. There's a problem with the gaming culture. There's a problem with all of these are problems except for guns. That's the one part that's not a problem in the culture according to them. All right, Jackson, thoughts here. So, you know, first of all, every instance we see like this, mass shooting or whatever. It always points to the very obvious problem that there's too many guns. I mean, it's plain and simple. Um, but as you pointed out in terms of our culture, what's you know interesting but really not surprising is how much you know European countries or other developed nations really laugh at our culture about you know like our our you know guns everywhere. Everybody wants a tank. Everybody wants a bazooka, um, and even they laugh at our notion of free speech. Not that we want free speech, but that people want to protect absolutely everything, no matter what it is. Um, you know, it's it, it's really our big bad culture leads to so many problems, even on Wall Street, even in big business, corruption and politics. 
Um, but at the end of the day, as you pointed out, a six-year-old, I mean, I don't even remember anything. That, I can't really recall anything from when I was six right off the right. top of my head. That's right. Because you're literally yep. a, a toddler. So this is just crazy. And again, a result of the fact that there's basically as many guns as there are people in this country. More guns than people now. More right. guns than people. Yep. We got more on the other side, indisputable, stick and stay. All right, welcome back. I'm gonna read just a couple of comments. We're very short on time. Natural born Keeler, thank you for that. All right, you're a true role model. If everyone was like you, the planet would be fine. I don't know about that, but definitely we have contrast to evil people because we're decent, all right? Doesn't take a whole lot. Norman, review games, thank you for that. Love indisputable, keep fighting the good fight, Doc. Greetings from the red state, Hale, Ohio. All right, um, a cop, a police officer killed two teens. That's the cop, he killed two teenagers. They're dead, they're no more. It was in a police chase. Let's put up the teenagers that he killed. Those teenagers should be alive. This happened in Louisiana. Police officer is facing charges. He was arrested following the deadly crash. This was a high speed chase went through several communities. These teenagers, Maggie Dunn, 17 and Carolyn Gill, 15, they were killed. Because of the criminal negligence of this cop, they went to Bresley High School. They were cheerleaders. Let's put up the man responsible again. His name is David Cawthorn, was charged for two counts of negligent homicide, one count of negligent injuring. Exactly a week after his arrest, guess what? They let him out of jail, $100,000 bond, no problem. Let me give you background on what happened. Officials said the chase began in Baton Rouge and made his way to West Baton Rouge Parish before coming to an end on the interstate back in Baton Rouge. The pursuit led to a crash on LA-1 in Bresley and left two teens dead and a backseat passenger injured. The teen victims, Donna Gill, were students at Bristler High School. Officials added, the DA, Tony Clayton, said his office is looking into actions of the officer and his role, the crash and pursuit. The officer has been identified, as, as I just noted, he was arrested and booked into the West Baton Rouge Parish Prison at 9.45 PM Sunday, charged with two counts of negligent homicide, one count of negligent injuring. Clayton said the officer's bond had been set at $100,000. $100,000 for two dead children is what they said it at, okay? Clayton said the police chief, Richard Anderson, told him the officer is currently on administrative leave. Clayton also plans to convene a grand jury at the end of the month to look into the officer's actions. To celebrate this new year with my family and for those families not to be able to celebrate with those kids is just despicable. And whoever will be held accountable for it, will be held accountable for it, period, Clayton said. 
I'm gonna give you some background as to what led to this. So this is according to the Baton Rouge Police Department. All right, this is their narrative, all right? According to the Baton Rouge Police Department, the pursuit was the result of a home invasion that occurred in Baton Rouge. That's where Taquiel Sanders, 24, allegedly broke into a family member's home and stole their car. Arrest documents revealed that the officers later tried to pull Xanders over during a traffic stop on River Road. The document said that when Xanders refused to stop, that's when the chase began. Xanders is accused of running several red lights and reaching speeds of 110 miles per hour on the interstate, according to the arrest document. Now, typically every single police department, they have an internal policy and sometimes states have a statutory, a statutory requirement where cops cannot pursue if it creates danger for the local community. You gotta call the helicopter now, you gotta call other jurisdictions. You gotta do something other than kill people in the process of arresting one. All right, Jackson, thoughts here. Yeah, I mean, plain and simple, the end result of it being two dead teenagers, he clearly wasn't taking the types of protocol necessary for an officer of safety. You know, um, he wasn't thinking about any of this. So this is pure negligence. Uh, there's really nothing else to say about it in terms of like what might be going on here. Yeah. The guy wasn't being careful. He wasn't thinking. I, he was in Rambo mode and he crashed and he killed two little girls. So, I mean, unfortunately, this is routine, but I mean, I, I really don't have anything else to say except we know what he did. And, um, this story hit me, my daughter is 16. Um, you have 15, 17 and they're dead. They are, they are victims of out of control policing. Who would put individuals at risk like this other than a cop? All right, we're gonna continue to follow. I do believe these charges will be enhanced after the grand jury presentation. I'll bring you that as it comes. All right, 19 year old impersonates the police, has on a sheriff's badge, pulls people over, put his picture of full mask. This is insane. Uh, this 19 year old, damn, they got away with it. Uh, but he was arrested on New Year's Day after authorities said he pulled over several people while impersonating a police officer. Jackson Jones was the teen impersonating an officer, a person who was pulled over by Jones became suspicious after he claimed to be an undercover officer and acted aggressively. Jones was wearing a black bulletproof vest with a sheriff patch on it, along with a duty belt with knives, a flashlight, handcuffs, but he was questioned by authorities. According to the sheriff's office, Jones told deputies he was wearing the vest only because it was comfortable. And he said he worked for the Campbell County Sheriff's Office in Tennessee. According to Gerald Records, Jones was booked for transporting an open container of beer and impersonating a police officer. It is not immediately clear whether Jones has an attorney. The Sheriff's Office added that Jones' cousin, who serves as jail administrator in Campbell County, told authorities that Jones previously worked at the jail, no longer has the job after he impersonated an officer there too. All right, well, the irony, he'll end up being a cop one day. Yeah, that's the irony of it. All right, Jackson, thoughts here. Right, exactly, I didn't even think about that, but that's perfect. Like, well, you know, he kinda, he kinda followed procedures and he doesn't even know him yet, you know, he's a natural. 
But like, I mean, pe- people are crazy. Like, what were you doing? What What did you think that was going to lead to? Maybe it was something on a resume for a promotion. I don't know. But it's just like, I mean, he could have gotten hurt. Other people could have gotten hurt. And, you know, him acting like a sheriff, it's like I mean, he looks like a teenager. Like, he looks like a little boy. You know what I'm saying? Like, so it's just he's nuts. Um, hopefully he can get some type of mental health evaluation um, because somebody who would do something like that is likely dangerous. Um, so, uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, he's he's a perfect cop in the making. Right, and, and that's why he was selecting that profession, okay? Yeah. Uh, that is the issue. That's why 75% of people who applied to be a <laughs> cop in Ithaca, New York failed the psychological evaluation. You gotta think about how deep that is, brother. That says that the microcosm of that applied to the macrocosm says 75%. If you take that data, 75% of all cops that apply are unqualified, not qualified to be police officers. All right. Always a pleasure, dear brother, having you on the show. Tell people how they can follow you and check out your great work. Oh yeah, it's always great to be here with you. Now check out my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at politics and paper. I do daily live streams, but I also do more in-depth podcasts. I bring guests on. It's a good time. Again, youtube.com slash at politics and paper. Definitely looking forward to being on with you again. We're looking forward to it as well. Always a pleasure, dear brother. Remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Remember, the truth is always indisputable. Welcome to Indisputable. I'm your host, Dr. Rashad Richard. We got a lot happening today. But what do we do on this show? We tell the truth. You know why we tell the truth? Because the truth is simply indisputable. Rashad, great to be here. Congratulations on the new show. And I gotta let everybody know that Rashad and I go way back. Here's the pattern that we see in all of these Karen stories. They think they own stuff they do not own. Now, where does that come from? I don't know, maybe slavery. Maybe they think they should still own black people. This is what happens when Karens weaponize the police. When you're used to privilege, equality seems like oppression. It hits you in a certain way when someone is holding you against your will, treating you like you're a criminal and you're an innocent person. This is something that black people face no matter where they are. A stronger black economy lends itself to a stronger, greater economy. Don't think it's exclusive of you, it's inclusive of you. What's your beef with critical race theory? It adds more fuel to the fire of the racist tendencies that we already have. We have a generation of problem solvers that can remedy the problem if they are properly taught what the problem is. You know who created redlining in this country? Mm-hmm. The white liberal. I, I, don't, I don't give a damn who created it. If it's a racist policy, racist policy, Shelly, here's what I don't know. I don't know, see there you go filibustering, brother. You're scared of this truth, but you're gonna get it though.